0: All right, welcome everybody to the Nurse to Nurse podcast. You got your famous Starshima. She's your famous brand nurse coach. And I'm Kevin. I work here at Central Valley Medical. We're enjoying it. We're having fun and stuff. So I hope you enjoyed today's topic. It's going to be staffing ratio in acute care and long term care facilities. How you doing this
1: morning, Starshima? I am doing good. How are you, Kevin?
0: I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. I hope you're doing okay.
1: I am. It is a lovely Saturday.
0: <laughs> uh, you got my ass up here so early in the morning. I got class in a little bit, but I'm shit. I've been up ready to go.
1: Hey, you know I'm what? Like, but here's the thing. When you're going after your dreams and doing what you love, you do what other people don't do. You wake up early, you lean yeah. in, you show up, you have fun. Like, that's I, actually woke,
0: yeah, I actually woke up at four o'clock. I just didn't get my ass out of bed.
1: Yeah, I was up by 4.30. My mind wouldn't turn off thinking that I had to get on a podcast and record with you today. Right. And I was like, you know, Kevin's this guy. Let me make sure I got my shit together. My number's right. Because you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but uh, I'm, I like numbers and stuff. So because numbers don't lie and shit. So I try to do research. So because I made an error in one of our first podcasts where I talked about women outrule numbers, but outnumber men four to one. It used to be that way. But I guess it's only a little bit now. You're like, 51% to 49%, but you're still fucking outnumbered. So, yeah. So, what? Well, so, cool. giving... so, why? I know, but people get crazy when you misquote shit. So, why women don't run the world? I don't fucking know, but that's your fault, well, not mine.
1: Let me just say <laughs> we do run the world.
0: Well, y'all um, run my world and shit. I get my balls busted every day. So,
1: <laughs> just saying. So, we running it. We just we just trying to get the respect of everybody else to notice that we're running it. Like I need you, you know to tickle
0: mean? my balls, not bust them, caress <laughs> them, not fucking bust them. The shit.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all! It's never a dull moment. I hope y'all really happen to join season two of the <laughs> podcast, and it's just like Kevin. He's just like that. Guy, like you know what I mean?
0: Kevin, who you say we were Howard Stern and Robin hey,
1: Givens? Yeah. So you're Howard, I'm Robin. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you're, wait. The,
0: you're the host, I'm the co-host. So, no, April, no, eight.
1: no,
0: no, no. They've been together for 40 years. They started together, they love each other, they're best friends. They're worth 50 million bucks now. So hey, well, I love our goal,
1: day. our goal is to pass their asses up. They're worth 50 million.
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen their movie Private Parts? No. You should go watch it. See, that's the I'm gonna beginning. go watch See, it and gonna we'll study yeah. them. Yeah, so that way you know how you and I can get together.
1: Yeah, yeah. because you you know what I mean. 50 because million, I'm in,
0: fifty million, we're gonna be there.
1: You know what? Because here's the thing, I really spend a lot of time of studying people and their behaviors and right. the way that they do things. Like people who are ahead of me, like people think I'm crazy, but I look at nope. millionaires and billionaires and how they think. Like I'm I got this book on audiobook, and it's like the millionaire next door. Like right. thinking about how they think and how they do things. Like if you want to get there, you got to start hanging out and getting into the mindset right. of these people. So right. I'm gonna have to go look up Howard Stern, exactly. and Robert yeah. Gibbons it's and true, see. You know what George. I
0: mean? You know what the average millionaire drives as a vehicle?
1: Probably a Toyota.
0: Toyota, Honda, some simple car and stuff. And I don't remember. See which one got the Warren Buffett? I think it is one of those big wigs. His mm-hmm. average, his his house is only like a million bucks. He doesn't have big, fancy stuff.
1: Am I Uh, out here trying to go broke and trying to buy a Bentley that I can't even afford? I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around.
0: (laughs) I I got a 2018 Chevy Silverado. It's paid off. It's got 50,000 miles, and I don't want to buy a new damn car.
1: Yeah, why? I ain't
0: doing that shit, so.
1: One highlighted thing that I really understood reading that book, Kevin, it was talking about that... When you think about department store cards of rich people and wealthy people. Right. Guess what the department store card was?
0: Probably like JCPenney's or Walmart pennies. or Target or something. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was freaking right. Penny's. Right? And That's I was right. like, I'm freaking going there to get every business suit, every dress. By the way, so I know I love JCPenney's because they have some cool shit that isn't crazily expensive, but looks really right? nice and you look quality. Yeah. But I was like, no wonder why my mind think like that. I like Macy's too, but mm-hmm. I don't shop there that much, you know, paying hundreds of dollars for a
0: little. I, a little fucking, buy Le- I fucking buy Levi jeans and uh, I don't know what the hell the name brand is on Amazon and stuff. Maybe we should put it in. We'll put it in a link and stuff. But I buy Levi jeans. I have like five or six pair of jeans, five or six t-shirts, and I wear the same shit all the time.
1: Yes.
0: I, don't, I don't care. I mean,
1: Let me tell you what I did yesterday. Can I just tell you, can I be open and honest with you for a moment? I went to Maurice's, one of my, one of the girls at work, she told me to go buy Maurice's because I was thinking about getting this belt, you know, and I was like, where do I get a belt? You know, finding a nice plus size belt that's going to fit me right. She's like, go over Maurice's. So I went over there after I left Kaiser yesterday. I had to go to a doctor's appointment and I stopped. So I went in there and I was looking and here I go, I go to the clearance rack. So I'm like looking, I seen one pair of jeans on the clearance rack. When I got up there, it was like $54.90. I was like, girl, that was on the 1995 rack. And she was like, no, these ones aren't. I was like, all right, we'll put those back. I like me a good right. deal on some jeans. I'm right. not about to pay 60 bucks for a pair of jeans. Like, no, nah, well, I mean, not right I, now. I,
0: I, I do. I probably pay 50 or $60 for a pair of Levi's, but they last me forever. That's true. You know, I but these I hadn't
1: tested the quality yet. I ain't know how long this shit was gonna last. I wasn't
0: uh, paying sixty dollars. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've had my Levi's probably for about four years now, so I've got my money's worth, and they're no, still No, Levi's worth. are good, yeah. good jeans. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I've cut up a few pairs, but I got
0: Vans. I wear Vans for shoes. I've had the same fucking shoes for three years now, so
1: <laughs> they're cool. Yeah. You like them? They're comfortable.
0: Yeah. I don't shit. I, as long as they work, they slip on. I don't have to tie anything. When I first started this shit. Ten years ago, I'd wear a suit and tie and try to be all fancy. After COVID hit, I'm like, "Fuck it! I'm wearing whatever I want. I don't give a shit." Oh, so that's why like you it. didn't
1: like that one picture I stole off of your Facebook that I was no, going to have on our graphics. Look, yeah, but I was all like suited up. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I look fat as hell and stuff.
1: Oh my yeah. gosh, Kevin! No, you don't. You look cool. Okay. I
0: like the one that you got on here. It's better and stuff. It's just headshotting, like more like, <laughs> mature. <to>, mm. look. <laughs> You got to be a pimp. <laughs> wait, wait, ain't wait, easy. wait, 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 we ain't, aren't we? ain't easy and shit. Hey, but somebody got to do it, right? That's right, look. Hey, here you go. Mm. Pimping ain't easy, baby. Pimping ain't easy. <laughs> it
1: ain't
0: easy. I just needed some uh, wine and whiskey, a little blunt and shit. <laughs> wait. Hey, look, oh, I used... Yeah, I used to take care. Of, I don't know. I don't remember his name. It's been a long time, but I worked downtown at the facility. You know, what I'm talking about downtown. Yeah. And uh, I worked in their subacute for a little bit, just like I floated there. And I took care of Snoop Dogg's cousin. I heard he Wait. passed away here recently. And it, so he had a poster of Snoop Dogg above his bed. And I'm like, that was my dream that Snoop Dogg would come to visit me. And I would ask him, hey, can we go fucking rolling, drinking some gin and juice, smoking a fucking blunt? I'm not chicken. I would love it. Like if Snoop ever called me, i am be like, I'm there, baby. I'll do whatever you Wait fucking want. <laughs> He's one of my all-time favorite artists. I love fucking Snoop. Y'all, can't,
1: I'm trying to get this visual of Kevin rolling down the street. Yeah. Oh. And oh. Sipping oh. on gin and Look. juice. Look. Lay back with my mind on my money my money on my mind.
0: Yeah, I got it right here for you. Gin and juice. I got I got all my fucking playlists and shit, man.
1: wait, that is hilarious. Look at, I'm just learning so much about you.
0: (laughs) I love fucking Snoop Dogg, man.
1: Hey, I've always thought you to be this prim and proper.
0: (laughs) I love fucking Snoop, man. He's one of my favorites. I
1: love it. I couldn't even imagine that would be a vibe. But you know what? Now that I, you got your hair like before when we were working together, you didn't have like your hair this
0: long, you right. know. I was short hair. hair. That's so I was in the military. Yeah. I was in the I was in the military for ten years, so, or well twelve years total. But when I was in Iraq, Tony, 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 that was a big song that was out. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, Tony, 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 and then Key Sweat. Oh shit, I can. Oh Keith Sweat, he was, I
1: yeah. can rock
0: with some Key Sweat. you mm. nice. <laughs> The time was six o'clock on the swatch watch. No time to chill. Got a gate. Can't be late. Hey, hey! The girl is gonna do me. Move to the jacuzzi. Ooh, that booty. Smack it up, flip it, rub it down. Oh no.
1: <laughs> nurses are wild, y'all. We are so wild human beings. We have to have these yeah. sense of humors, right? I think it really was makes us we'll, like
0: we'll, we'll fucking great go nurses. crazy if we don't. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Right. You know what I mean? If not, like, who knows? So it's the way we cope.
0: Right.
1: Awesome. I love it. I love the introduction. I hope y'all really been enjoying us here on the podcast. We really appreciate y'all being here. So thank y'all for listening. in. But we did get some feedback and thank you all for reaching out to us and sharing with us things that you want to hear and have us talk about here on the podcast. Kevin's going to lead the way today on this particular podcast, but we have one young lady who wrote into us and her concern was around staffing ratios within facilities, particularly long-term care facilities, and thinking about the safe delivery and care around it. So Kevin's going to share some highlighting information. We're going to have a conversation around that and looking at what are some of the things that California says and then helping you be informed and aware of what those things are and operating in these capacities.
0: All right, Kevin, take it away. Yeah, because you know I'm a damn numbers person, so I love numbers. So I'm going to start with the numbers. This is from, uh, you can Google it. You don't even have to, now, if you don't know what Google is, it's G-O-O-G-L-E.com. This happened in 1999. It was AB 394 Assembly Bill in California in 1999. It's the RN to patient ratios for hospital. I'm going to start there first. And then the final regulations were put out in summer of 2003, and then finally came out to the public in 2004. So currently, and I know that COVID's kind of put a kibosh on some of this, but COVID has been over officially, according to Governor Newsom, since last year. So don't let people bullshit you anymore. Intensive care, if you're an ICU nurse, it's one to two patients. Neonatal intensive care is one to two patients. If you work in the OR, it's one to one. Recovery is one to two. And that's in phase one, because recovery has phase one and phase two, and I think phase three, but I can't remember. It's been a while since I worked PACU. Labor and delivery, one to two. Antepartum is one to four. If you're postpartum with mother or baby, it's one to four. But if you're just by yourself with the mom only, it's one to six. Pediatric units is one to four. ER is one to four. Not fucking two or three ICUs and two or three tallies for all you ER nurses who think you're a fucking badass. ICU patients. Oh, imagine this shit. ICU patients in the ER right next to it. One to two. Trauma patients in the ER is one to one. Step down is one to four. Telemetry is one to five. In 2008, though, they now I don't know what this means. Probably they changed. So step down initial was one to four, but step down in eight, they changed it in 2008 to one to three. Telemetry initial was one to five, but in 2008, they changed that to one to four. Medical surgical units initial was one to six, but now since 2008, it says one to five. And then all other specialty care units is one to four. The only one that's kooky, and I don't really understand this one, but makes no fucking sense. It's psychiatric is one to six. <laughs> shit. Can you imagine taking care of all the cuckoo could and you got fucking six patients and shit like, holy shit, that's a lot. I need
1: a one to one unless they're sedated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, well, we don't get a lot of psych training as nurses, so I don't even understand, you know, like. I'm not a psych nurse, so all the psych nurses out there, the psych techs, I love you because shit, I wouldn't know what to do. Now, here's the rub. So the lady who reached out to us, she, I believe she's an LVM, becoming an RN. She has worked in long-term facilities. I've worked in long-term facilities. I know a lot of nurses who come here, they work in long-term facilities. There are no patient-to-nurse ratios for long-term care. Now, you and I did some research on this. What they decided is, and I don't know who decided this shit, but you have to have, and we did the math, well, Tarshima did the fucking math, I did it, because I can't count. You have to have 2.4 hours for a CNA, so a CNA has to provide 2.4 hours of care per day for one patient. Licensed nurse has to have, I think, what did I say, 3.5 or 3.5?
1: 3.5. 3.5
0: hours per day of nursing care. And you can always write in and correct me if I'm wrong, but most nursing homes have an average of 40 to 60 patients. So if you do the math, what did you come up with? How many nurses, if we had a nursing home with 60 patients, what do we say we should have if our math is right? How many staff should we have? If we broke
1: it apart into three different shifts, meaning that they worked eight hour shifts and three different shifts. We agreed that that was 70 hours per shift. So with that, on average, considering breaks and lunches, about seven hours of nursing, you need about 10 nurses on staff each shift to be able to meet that demand of 3.5 hours per patient.
0: So I messaged the person to, because I wanted to know if it's eight-hour shifts or 12 hours because I don't fucking know. It's been a while. She messaged me back right now. She said they work, like you said, three eight-hour shifts. This is what she says. We got one med nurse two cnas if lucky we get three and have had to do it with one cNA and one charge nurse for 38 residents so she says that she has 38 residents don't know how it is everywhere else but she's saying that you know you she got 38 residents for one nurse and one cNA and that's an eight hour shift what do you think about that
1: that's insane let me do some math so 38 residents right and we said that they need 3.5 hours of care apiece right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's 133, well, that's 3.5 hours a day, right? Yes. 3.5 hours a day. So divide that by three. These residents only technically need that 1.16 of nursing care hours if we look at what the law says, right? So 1.1, let's just say 1.6, looking at that. So 1.6 times 38. So about 60 hours. Okay, that make, and you said how make, many nurses? She
0: says she has for 38 patients. She has one CNA and one nurse.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Right. So it's technically almost a one to 38, right? One nurse versus 38 patients. Is that right. what I'm hearing?
0: That's what she's saying.
1: According to what we've read as far as standard, right? Is that, if that is what stands according to what we read, then that is. You can't meet that demand, right? How do you meet that in an
0: I, that's what I even give a one
1: patient me. care at mm-hmm. one hour? That's still yeah, too much, that's a lot.
0: Right? One nurse for thirty-eight patients.
1: Mm-hmm. So how
0: does that even come out? So what is thirty-eight times let's see, thirty-eight, what does that come out to be? I gotta do my math Well, if you need to give one hour
1: to
0: that means you need ninety-one hours of care mm-hmm. for those patients. How yeah. in one nurse give ninety-one hours of care.
1: And they're only there for eight.
0: <laughs> and they're only there for eight. <laughs> Let's see, divided by eight. So they're only given 11. Is that right? 11 hours? I don't know how the math works, but. But
1: you but think about don't... one to thirty-eight. you know, so technically a person, if we look at the three different shifts, because they get 3.5 hours per day, right? According to right. what you and I read from the source. So with that, if you divide that into three shifts, that's a little bit over 1.1 hour per shift in nursing care, right? Not the CNA right. care, but the nursing care. So even at one hour, each patient right and you got 38 patients that's 38 hours
0: right that's crazy though right
1: but how can it's she good. give
0: quality care or even half ass care so, right
1: or am yeah. i am i looking at it wrong because that's no. what i almost see a ratio of one to 38 if that's what is true and stands valid if that's what they have on staff so then what's happening with the patients in these long-term care facilities
0: that's why they probably get bed sores contractures you know what i mean
1: at least to that, because they can't provide that quality care to them. So with this, so how do we help the nurses who are working in these capacities? Because law says this, right, or legislation says this, or this is our parameters in which organizations are going to go over, right, and use as their guidelines. How do we help those nurses who are working in those capacities? What would you tell them?
0: So I think this is the problem though. So this is what I learned. I may not be correct, but this is what I've learned. Most director of nurses who work in the nursing homes have never had much training as a director of nursing in skilled facilities. Most are like me and you, they work in the hospital, they're tired of working in the hospital. So they go become a DON because it's a job that, you know, I'm not saying it's easy, but compared to the hospital wiping ass, it's probably not that hard. It's more paperwork, more laws, more following Title 22. And so the problem is they don't know, like most, like you, I'm not putting you on the spot, but have you ever heard of Title 22?
1: I've heard of it before, probably just because I'm an educator, but I've heard of it, but not saying it was something that I was versed in prior to, right?
0: Right, right. But I mean, do you know what? Title 22 is what covers a lot of the skilled facilities, the uh, special needs clients. A lot of nurses, like hospital nurses, have no idea about Title 22, so... Trying to go from being in the ER to a D.O.N. in the nursing home, if you don't know what Title 22 is, you got a lot of catching up to do a lot of reading and the manual is thick. Like nobody's going to try to read all that except me. I read that shit because I want to know. But that's the problem is they don't know these regulations. And who does the county like in the hospital? I don't remember what it's called, but like acuity or acuity care. They got numbers, formulas and stuff. Who does that? Who determines that?
1: I'm sure someone within their organization. But let me ask you, in some of these long-term care facilities, with looking at it, like I know being an acute care nurse and in like my aha moment in education is like, I knew the focus was different, but how you care for them is different. And how we look at long-term care versus acute care is different as well. Like, do they assess like how many ADLs that they need assistance with to determine their patient load? Are they a dead weight? Are they not a dead weight? you know, considering those type of things, you know what I mean? Like to get their type of loads versus in acute care, we understand our ICUs in the ERs 101 until they're stable. You know what I mean? Like how do we judge that in a long-term care since this is really like their home and we're not really doing, we're doing maintenance type things and managing of chronic diseases versus stabilizing and saving have you ever
0: Have you ever worked in a nursing home?
1: I worked in a nursing home at a, a very, very young age as yeah. a nursing assistant, not as a nurse.
0: How many medicines does a one resident have? Like, have you ever seen a nurse do a med pass?
1: Oh, I've seen nurses do med pass. I went out in the clinical setting and you think about these are chronic conditions, a lot of maintenance yeah. type meds. So I'm sure anywhere upward from five <laughs> to as much as probably like 10 medications, if not more in some cases for some of these
0: patients. And and so that's, that's 90 patients in a facility. And if nobody shows up and you're one nurse having to take care of 90 patients and you got all these medications, by the time you finish med pass, the morning med pass, it's already time to go to the evening med pass. And who does the wound cares? What about the wounds?
1: Well, I know some facilities now, I don't know all. I do hear some facilities have wound nurses that come in and help support with wounds mm-hmm. and dressing changes, things Let of me
0: that Ask. Let me message her as while you're talking and I'll ask about that because you're right, they're supposed to be. Does your facility have a wound nurse?
1: Yeah, because I know one particular person that I used to work with at a facility, I know mm-hmm. that they go out to other facilities and help manage the wounds for those particular so, patients. Yeah,
0: they're supposed to, but they don't want, The problem is this, most nurses aren't taught finances. And so, if you work in a nursing facility, like a skilled nursing facility, they get a one lump sum for that patient. And I don't know what the numbers, I'm just making up numbers, but let's say that we admit your great-great-grandma in a nursing facility, that facility gets, let's say, $10,000 a month for your great-great-grandma. So, whatever we fucking do for her, we get 10 grand. So, if we need more care for her, you get 10 grand. So, that's where part of the issue is, because most nurses come from the hospitals, they don't know what reimbursement rate or how to get better reimbursement, they have to learn that on the fly and stuff. Does that make sense? So what's this? I, it it does, it does. I texted one of our people that we know in our hospital Mm -hmm. and they, they Mm call their acuity thing, it's called knee docs now, N E dash D O C S. And I asked Mm -hmm. her, I said, is there a class that they teach you how to do this? She said, nope, we just learn it ourselves. Mm. So what does that tell you?
1: (laughs) Nothing. They need some formal education around how to use it to make sure the tool is being utilized correctly. So, if it's um, not
0: utilized correctly, what does that mean for reimbursement or staffing?
1: It's probably not getting the max amount of reimbursement or not being done as accurately as it could to make sure that we have the right amount of staffing mm-hmm. to support Wait a huh. our reimbursement. Wait. Has
0: the right amount of what?
1: Staffing, because mm-hmm. that's what drives.
0: I wonder if that's done on purpose, though. Hmm i don't know oh you get where i'm going with that
1: i get yeah I because if that. you're
0: if you're not teaching the managers how to use these tools correctly so you have appropriate staffing that means you don't have as much staffing which means your budget is lower and you're saving money for the facility but you're not doing what's best for the nurses or the patients care stuff mm, that's
1: an interesting angle
0: you get what i'm saying well i don't know if you know this but a lot of managers and directors and i don't know about nursing all but in the hospital a lot of managers and directors they get bonuses if they keep the pay down of the staff and the supplies down whatever your budget is on your floor if i keep mm-hmm. it down below what we're authorized i get a bonus on that oh wow that is to me counterintuitive
1: yeah so, like let's cool. save the money what well, appears to say the money here but let me give you more money over here and, and then where are we looking at the overall
0: so this lady at her facility she responded back said no womb nurse They go to the womb center or other places for appointments. I don't think Mm. any facility, a nurse that just is just for wombs. I disagree because I've seen womb nurses too. She Uh says, usually it's a charge nurse that does the treatment. So do do you have a charge nurse and a floor nurse? But that goes back to what we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier in nurse burnout, because if you have a charge nurse and she's just being charged and you're struggling on the damn floor, why not get your ass out there and help?
1: Right. I agree.
0: That doesn't make sense to me. So.
1: No, not at all. So mm-hmm. what do we tell these nurses who are out here who are operating in these capacities? You know, it seemed like they're reaching out. They're asking for help and, you know, exactly. like they really need some support. So what is it that's going to help them?
0: I know uh, nurses aren't going to like this, but read the damn regulations. Start doing your homework. Go to the Board of Nursing, the BRN, the BVMPT, read Title 22. Educate yourself. If you're not educated and you don't know the rules and the regulations, and mm-hmm. we back to one of our old podcasts and you don't know the policies, how are you going to navigate the system that's abusing you?
1: Exactly. Wow. And then we got to know what we're getting ourselves into, right, too. Like sometimes we blindly accept positions and jobs and organizations and not really realizing what it all encompassed. And we may use our Acute care background thinking that the long term care works the exact same way when
0: it does not. That's right. That's exactly right. If you're in long term care Mm -hmm. and you're a nurse, an RN, LVN, you should know what Title 22 says. Because I do this, I take care of special needs adults. I write care plans for them. Whoever thought I'd fucking make a living doing care plans, but I write care plans for special needs adults. And I had to eat, sleep, and drink Title 22. That's how I learned about it. So I think every nurse should read Title 22. So that makes sense. But I got my green screen on. Everybody keeps walking behind me and shit. So, you know, we're getting. It's okay. Don't worry about it, baby. I love you. <laughs> Come here. I love
1: Come it. Here, huh?
0: Come here. Give me a hug. Baby. <laughs> I'll let you see why I'm doing my podcast. Come here. Don't have a look. Mm, right here. Look at this. Mm.
1: Oh, good morning. <laughs> this,
0: this is the reason why I'll be fucking 65 and still working and shit.
1: That's all mm. right tell them, no, you won't be 65 and working. We're going to find you a way to increase the wealth (laughs) that you'll be out of here by 60. How about that? (laughs) We're going to get somebody else to do the work and you're just going to sit home and take the income. How about that? That's goals right there. All
0: right. So she did say on on one shift, there's a charge nurse, Mm -hmm. a med nurse, and two CNAs for 38 patients. But what does the charge nurse do? Do you know what I mean? That's what I don't know. Well, they're supposed to be
1: in charge of the team. They're supposed to be the one that's in charge of the entire patient load, right? That's one of their responsibilities to make sure the needs of the patients are met in a time and efficient manner. And, you know, I think it just really just takes the time to explore what do these different things mean in different organizations? Because for me in acute care, charge nurse can be one thing, but in a long-term care facility, what they do may be something completely different. So I think about this and I think her concern is really legit And I think it's a big thing that's out here in the world today with nursing. But I think that we also got to be informed when we take on these roles and even becoming a nurse, right? You know, we think about nursing as one thing, but thinking about the capacities that we want to work in and looking at the laws and guidelines behind these different organizations is important to make sure you are informed in choosing where you want to work in, which capacity you want to work in.
0: I think that's a big thing. Yeah, but they can tell you one thing when they hire you and do another one when you're actually on the floor because you know the place that you and i used to work we used to have what's called a float nurse i don't know if it's still there the float nurse would be the one relieving you for break Mm -hmm. right before i left they got rid of the float nurse so i would have five patients you would have five patients and they would want me to relieve you for lunch now how Mm -hmm. many patients do i have
1: ten
0: so is that legal
1: not technically according to guidelines
0: So then why would you, as a nurse, accept those other five patients? Whose fault is that? The
1: nurse who accepted right. it they agreed no. to it. Right.
0: I'm kooky now. You know, mm-hmm. people make fun of me, but, you know, that's what most white people do. We get to work 30 minutes an hour early and shit. I would always come to work an hour early. People would laughing at me. But what I did was I'd walk around and I'd look and see what's going on. And before I got my assignment, I would look and see what was a mess and what wasn't a mess. And if you try to give me some kooky shit, I'd be like, hmm, I'm not doing that. You better fix that. And so some nurses just accept an assignment blindly and never ask questions. But once you accept the assignment, what does that mean?
1: You took taking responsibility of it. You're saying happens? once you accept it saying that I can do what is required of me, you you assume the
0: So role. what do you do? What do you do? It's hard though. Think about this. If you work in the ED and you got four patients you're assigned to, because you get mm-hmm. your assignment in the huddle or they write right. your name on the board, you're yeah, good. It's okay. How can you go and see the patients before accepting assignment? Does that make well, sense? typically
1: that, we
0: don't, yeah. Sure you do. Think about this. Think about where you and I work. I mm-hmm. said, Starshima, you're going to have room 32, 31, 30, and 29.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you said, okay, Kevin, what did you just technically do?
1: Agree to take the assignment.
0: Right. So then you have to say what?
1: Let what me go you? check this out before
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I no, say but yeah. I re- No, but I really mean that. But if people don't yeah. do it, what does that mean? You just accepted assignment, and you don't know what you're about to get yourself into and once you've accepted assignment, now you're screwed. Cause if you, right. if you say yes, and the assignment's a shithole. And now you're like, I don't want to do this. You can be in trouble for what
1: if you say, wait, sorry, said again? You said, if you accept the so, assignment and you don't want to do it, abandonment.
0: Yes. Yeah, see what I mean? So that's why mm-hmm. nurses got to be a little bit more aware Go and work a little early. And you know, I know people don't like that idea, but at least you got to assess what's going on because it's your license. You don't have to take this sitting down like you we got regulations for a reason and evidence proves that these staffing ratios do what what do staffing ratios do
1: they're supposed to one safety of the patient they are supposed to
0: oh imagine take- that safety of the patient hmm. what a fucking yeah. novel concept safety of the patient
1: right that's <laughs> what they're there for right
0: i know but that's what i don't understand this stuff so i yeah. just makes me crazy i'll look at this i'm gonna read this to you it's uh, a okay. federal and california nursing home staffing requirements many families are surprised to learn that there are a few requirements for nursing home staffing now, uh-huh. under federal law medicaid and medicare certified nursing homes which most nursing homes are they got to have a full-time director of nursing a licensed practical nurse which is an lpn or lvn or an rn has to always be on duty uh-huh. a registered nurse has to be on duty at least eight hours a day seven days a week uh-huh. So if you don't have an RN on duty seven days a week, at least eight hours, you're already in trouble. Now, it says this can be the director of nursing too in smaller facilities. So if the director of nursing is an RN, he and she can play dual roles and stuff. Gotcha. There are no federal requirements for staffing ratios in nursing homes for for certified nursing aides or nursing staff. Federal guidelines uh, fail to set a nurse-patient ratio. So nursing homes are only, listen to this, this is crazy. Nursing homes are only required to provide at least 75 hours of training to CNAs to provide sufficient staff and services.
1: <laughs> wow, so that's like two weeks of training. Right. A little bit less than if
0: now you did the rec- eight hours. Now, the recommendation I don't know if this will ever happen because they, nobody's going to want to pay for this because that means your taxes will go up. The federal government has issued recommendations for nurse to patient ratios. And this is in nursing homes, this is not hospitals. So, if they're going to do this for skilled facilities, what should happen in hospitals? Right. The recommended ratio for skilled nursing facilities is one registered nurse, not LVM, but registered nurse for every five patients. Hmm. <laughs> Look at that shit. Under these guidelines. Wait. Yes. You heard me right. One registered nurse for every five patients in a skilled nursing facility. Hmm. Right, that's their recommendations. So if that's one to five in the nursing home, which the patients have less acuity and they're, you know, they're just basically people put them there to die and shit. What does it say for us in the hospitals?
1: Right. So
0: under these guidelines, a nursing home maintaining minimum federal nurse staffing levels would only provide a resident with about twenty minutes of care a day.
1: Well, that kind of supports. <laughs>
0: right.
1: This kind of supports the numbers, right? That we kind of calculated oh, oh. up right. in relationship to that.
0: That's crazy. 20
1: minutes. Huh? That All is right. insane. I,
0: I know you love your granny, but she only needs to get 20 minutes of my time. Now get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> right.
0: That's crazy, though. You huh?
1: know, and that is crazy. And to think about that, but I think a lot of people don't understand that with going into that. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. us as nurses, we want to go in with the thing of like, mm-hmm. let's change this, let's do this, let's, it has to look different. But really, we got to look at what really is the standard that's out here. And figuring out, is that something of where you want to operate in and make a full commitment with deciding, yes, this is where I want to go or no, it is not where I want to go. But we can't bring in other experiences and then expect to change what has already been out there and outline. We'll waste our time. We'll beat ourselves up. We'll burn ourselves out. It's like essentially talking to a wall because it's always been doing what it's doing for all these years. You know what I mean? Right. Um, with that so that's interesting I didn't yeah I just learned something today because that's i mean not that I w- i've never been really interested in the long-term care aspect of it but it's just really interesting to see that dynamic and that shifting and really what the standard really looks like
0: so i'm gonna text this to you so you'll know i'm gonna cover okay. this but it's oh do i have your number
1: you should if you don't then that's an issue i
0: probably kidding. have no i probably have it in there <laughs> it uh, hasn't
1: changed in 20 years so i don't know <laughs> I I'm um, just joking. Kevin. Put, put it
0: in the put it in the chat box. Okay. Nobody can see that, right? no but no, it's just me. us. It's just us,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So I can text you this information here. Oh, maybe I can put just, it in a private no, chat. No, so let me just copy and paste it in the private chat. How about that? I'll do that as easy. And then I had to find your phone number because I don't have it in my phone. All right, there we go. This is from somebody we know. She just sent me that. That's from the hospital. So okay. it said I won't read it out because I don't want you know, people might know and stuff, but, but that's another thing. So that's one thing, like if you have a patient that's in the emergency department
1: uh-huh. and they are
0: they are actively being transcutaneous paced, should that patient be a one-to-one patient?
1: They should be. They're unstable.
0: Even if they're not unstable, why should that patient be a one-to-one patient?
1: They can change at any minute.
0: Right. See what I mean? So, but what will happen, though? What will your charge nurse say?
1: Probably that they're... <laughs> <laughs> that they're okay, you can do one to two, Right. No, one, to, one to five, one
0: to one four. To five. No. Yeah, but yeah. the problem is if you don't, I mean, I get it. I understand we're short but to me, if you're going to do that, you're going to put your license at risk, you should say, hey, I want a sitter that's going to stay in this room to watch this patient to come and get me if something happens. Somebody yeah. that has CPR knowledge that can start CPR. Because what happens if the patient stops working? Or what happens if the machine malfunctions? What are you going to do?
1: Right.
0: You know what I mean? So,
1: yeah. It's crazy out here. And I think for us as Kevin, like, I think what being consistent around the podcast and just in the things that we've been talking about here and real having the real straight talk around it, I just hear a lot of like being informed, being informed, being informed and being educated. And I have to say that you've totally stretched me in areas where I feel like I'm like, shit, I just kind of took it for what it appeared to be and wasn't really informed. And I think as nurses, for us to really Be able to drive change and impact healthcare in a certain particular way that we want to. We're informed of what is the laws, what are the standards, what are all these things that are out here to make sure we're making informed decisions, providing quality care, knowing what our boundaries are, and then trying to change from that space versus a feeling or I feel this way and I feel like they're doing this and I feel like I'm doing that. Having real statistical data.
0: Yeah, because most people have no idea. You know what the law is, what the ratios are. Mm-hmm. So this is, goes back to a previous podcast, I think we talked about where your charge nurse tells you, oh, you can take one to six.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, well, who is she? Does she know what the ratios are? Does she know the rules and regulations, the patient staff? I encourage every nurse when they get a statement from the charge nurse or a seasoned nurse to say, I want to see that in writing. Let me see the policy. What's it said? Look, do you, Where did you get that number from? I challenge people to do that because I bet you they most charge nurses don't know. I bet you most managers don't know.
1: True.
0: You know they're just being told what the big wigs upstairs tell them to pack their budget and stuff, so they don't have to worry about paying the overtime and stuff.
1: Yes, y'all. I hear. Be informed. Be informed. Yes, be, informed. be informed. Don't take them for their word, y'all. Yes, don't <laughs> take them for their word. That's right. So. Absolutely. All right, That's Kevin. Fine. You want to wrap them up? You want to send them away? I know you got nah, things you got to do man. this morning. <laughs>
0: i know that was kind of a short podcast i'm sorry i'm sorry for all the people in the background running around but i got yelled at but maybe we'll have to start a little bit earlier to, so oh, nobody we got 40 we got 40
1: some minutes of good content we did amazing
0: all right you guys i appreciate you guys taking the nurse and nurse podcast with me and starshima we hope you have a good day and stuff you know i love and stuff so yeah thank you starshima for taking your time visit us at more than CPR.com. Visit Starshima on Facebook at Brand Nurse Coach or Instagram and stuff. So,
1: absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for another you great guys. episode here on the Nurse to Nurse podcast. I'll talk to yep. you soon. Take care.
0: Bye.